today we are continuing our series, What Would Jesus, or What Does Jesus Say About? And, uh, and so we've gone over some different topics over the last few weeks, and, and the reason why we're going through this series is, that, at least for me, and my, from my perspective, is because I know that there's a lot of different opinions out there on a lot of different subjects that we talk about. And, uh, and I, I said this, I guess, maybe a couple of weeks ago. I think the older I get, the more I'm starting to think, you know what, I'm not, I'm not caring so much what other people's opinions are on some stuff. And, uh, that's, and, and really, just being honest with you, I think a lot of that is that I'm sort of a prideful person. I'm caring more about my opinion. And so I kind of got convicted about that. I was like, yeah, I don't really care about your opinion. I mean, the only opinion that matters is mine. Well, that ain't true. Um, and what I'm discovering is what's important is not what do I think or what do you think. What's important is what does God say and what does Jesus say. And one of the neat things about Scripture is the Bible addresses, I mean, just about everything that you can think of. I mean, if you have a question about some certain subject or issue, uh, you're probably not going to have that hard of a time finding out what the Bible has to say about it. So uh, as I get started here, if you have your Bible, you can get a little bit of a head start. We're going to be looking in Mark chapter 10 in verse number 2. And our focus today is going to be on what does Jesus have to say about divorce? Now, I know as whenever I say that, I mean, that is a, that is a hot topic. And, I, and some, some people are sitting there probably thinking, you better be careful what you say because I might want to give you a piece of my mind after this is over. So that's why right after the service when we pray, I'm going out that door. And y'all won't have a chance to talk to me. Now, my, my hope, though, is that you'll see that, that, that we're just going to examine not what do I say, not what do I think, but what does Jesus have to say. Um, y- y'all might remi- remember back in the, I guess the late 1990s, there's a movie that came out called 101 Dalmatians. Y'all remember that movie? Had Glenn Close in it, Jeff Daniels uh, was in it. Of course, that's, he's more of a dumb and dumber kind of a guy to me. So he was in that movie, a real popular movie. But after that movie came out, it was really interesting. Uh, there was a massive run on people buying Dalmatian puppies. I mean, after they saw that movie, everybody had to get one of those dogs. Now, what's even more interesting to me is that within six months, animal shelters all across America said they were being inundated with people dropping off Dalmatians. So, so what happened? Well, it's something that we all know from personal experience. Uh, we all know that, that puppies are cute, right? Uh, my daughter Janie wants us to get another dog, and she wants to get a puppy. Now, for those of us who are older, what do we know about puppies? They grow up, and they're not as cute anymore. And so whenever that happens, we think, uh, you know what? It's time to go to the animal shelter and just drop this sucker off and let somebody else deal with it. And I don't think that my wife does. And so, you know, that's just sort of the natural thing that we have. Now, I really believe that there's a lot of people who, who sort of have some, some similar feelings when it comes to marriage. And, you know, whenever there's some of us, where we, especially when we're starting out, we see that guy or we see that girl and we think, I can't live without that person. They are so cute. 
And then, you know, and then what happens is a lot of times what happens is that those people will end up getting married. And then after they get, get married, then they begin to discover stuff about the person they didn't know before. Uh, that they, they didn't know about before they got married. And they had some weird idiosyncrasies. And then before long, people are thinking, you know what, I'm just going to take this marriage to the shelter. You know, I'm going to get rid of this thing. I'm going to let somebody else deal with it. And so today what we have is we have in marriage, there's many times in marriages where people struggle, where people have difficult times and they, and they, want, to, they want to do something to solve the problem that they have. And for many people, the way you solve the problem is through divorce. And it's something that's very prevalent today. And so that's why I thought it would be worthwhile for us just simply to take a look and see what Scripture has to say about divorce. And more specifically, to see what Jesus has to say about it. And my guess is that most of you are not going to be surprised to find out that Jesus is against it. Okay, I mean, are any of y'all shocked by that? I mean, I don't think any of you are. You're like, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of figure, I mean, even if you don't read the Bible, you're probably thinking, well, I kind of had a sneaking suspicion that he would not be for it. Uh, as a matter of fact, in Malachi, the Old Testament, I believe it's in chapter 2, one, a very small verse there says, God hates divorce. Okay, so we hear that, and, and then we begin to wonder, well, what are we supposed to do with that kind of information? I might be some of you here today, and you say, I've, I've already experienced divorce. Might be others of you saying, I'm going through it, and now you're telling me God hates it. Then how are we supposed to handle this situation? Well, Jesus gives a rather interesting prescription concerning the whole idea of marriage and divorce. And that's why we're going to be looking in Mark chapter 10 today, beginning in verse number 2. And what I, what I want to do is I want to share with you the views that were being really passed around about divorce during Jesus' day. In Jesus' day, there were, there were two main schools of thought on the issue of divorce. Uh, there were two rabbis, religious leaders, who were very influential on this subject. And the very first one is a guy, his name was uh, Rabbi Hillel. And his school of thought was that, uh, that divorce could happen really for any reason. Uh, some of the reasons that he listed are you know, kind of strange. One thing he said is you have a right to divorce your spouse, your wife, if she burns your dinner. Okay, and then some of us are going, I see that. Um, so that was, that was part of the school of thought there. Another thing that he said was that he said that you could actually divorce your wife if she had more wrinkles than when you first married her. I mean, we're talking this guy, basically, hey, whatever you want to do, you can get divorced. So that was one school of thought, very popular school of thought. Another school of thought was from a rabbi named Shammai. And Shammai was much more strict and narrow. He said there is only one reason why a person has a legitimate right to go through divorce. And he said that is through infidelity. He said that is through adultery. Okay, so that, this is the main thinking during the time of this passage of Scripture that we're looking at today. And so here's Jesus. Jesus is traveling uh, in our text today. He's going from northern Israel... Uh, where he was living, up by Capernaum, and he's heading down into Jerusalem. And as he's traveling down there, he meets up, or a, a group of Pharisees, religious leaders, come, come to him. 
and they ask him a question. Now, Jesus has a huge crowd following him. And a big crowd's following him because Jesus is an amazing teacher. People are drawn to him. They see the miracles that he performs. They want to be around him. And so as they, as they come, as they're coming with Jesus, the religious leaders don't like Jesus in general. And they don't like him because he's popular. They don't like him because he's taking away power from them. And so they're trying to trap Jesus. And they're trying to get him into trouble. And they said a good way to get him in trouble is getting to speak about the issue of divorce. And so with the question they ask him, the religious leaders, they come over to Jesus. They say, hey, Jesus, is it permissible for a person to get divorced? Now, they really weren't looking for an answer. They were just bringing up the subject because they knew regardless of what he said, he's going to end up aggravating somebody. But it's really interesting to see the way Jesus handled this question. And Jesus handled the question of divorce by saying, as we speak about divorce, the first thing that we must do is be reminded of what God says about marriage. So you want to talk about divorce, he says, I want to remind you what God says about marriage. And we're going to address the subject of divorce, but, but let's just see some of the reminders that Jesus gives in our text today about marriage. He's asked about divorce, but Jesus says, let me remind you about marriage. And the first reminder he gives about marriage is he says this. He says, you ask about divorce. He says, let me remind you, marriage is a union. Marriage is a union. Now, look with me in verse number 2. It says, some Pharisees approached him to test him. And they asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And he replied to them, what did Moses command you? And they said, well, Moses permitted us to write divorce papers and send her away. But Jesus told them, <clears throat> he wrote this commandment for you because of the hardness of your hearts. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Now, the whole text is a reminder to me that marriage is never to be taken lightly. It's not something that you enter into and say, hey, listen, if I don't like it, if we're not getting along, I'm just throwing this sucker away and I'm starting over with somebody else. Jesus says, understand, marriage is something that is very significant and important. Now, I really think that, that many people, and I'm not saying you, but I'm just saying I believe many people see marriage as something that is a little bit less than holy. Uh, you can Google, you can go online, you can Google divorce. And you see some really interesting taglines that come with it. Because it's, a lot of it is there, there's lawyers trying to make money and say, cheap divorces, only $99. Uh, how, to, how to end your marriage in less than a year. I mean, just really some interesting things. I, I read an article that said, the kinds of marriages that are trending right now are what they call starter marriages. Like, you know, like you have a starter home, and so you have a starter marriage so that you can kind of practice, kind of see how it goes, and then, and then if that, when that doesn't work out, then you, you know, you're prepared for an upgrade. And so just some really weird stuff. Well, well, Jesus says, understand this about marriage. He said, it is holy. And there's no such thing as, as you ought to be, uh, you being able to easily just sort of, you know, unload your marriage. 
It is not something that you practice. He said, when you get married, understand it's holy. And that's why he said in verses 7 and 8, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Now this verse is actually a quotation that comes all the way back in the book of Genesis, in Genesis 3.24. And so what Jesus is saying, he's saying, listen, I want you to understand that marriage is not just, it's not something that you say, hey, we're going to get married, and that way we'll be able to hang out together. Jesus says, it's, it's much bigger than that. Jesus says, marriage is a union. He said, you become joined together when you get married. That's in verse number seven. That word joined in verse number seven is an interesting word. It means to be glued together. In other words, you are, you are so tightly glued together that our scripture says that you become one flesh. That means that, that marriage, it is not a business transaction. And I say, well, what's wrong, what's wrong with the business transaction? You know, that might be a good thing. Well, a business transaction is a good thing if you're doing well, you know, if you're making money. But whenever, you know, whenever that business transaction sort of turns sour a little bit or it's not producing what it used to produce, then it's just natural to say, well, I'm going to move on to a new business. Well, that's not marriage. I mean, just because things kind of get a little muddied at times in life does not mean, well, then we're just going to move on because this isn't working out. Now, marriage can be fun when things are going well, but for those of you who've been married for a while... There's struggles that come with marriage, aren't there? Don't tell younger people, right? I mean, you get married, and after a period of time, eventually there are struggles that occur in marriage. And it generally begins not long after, like, the honeymoon's over. You know, it's all fun, and then you, you come home from the honeymoon, and you begin to discover stuff. I mean, I never do that. I've seen just, I, you know, I remember getting married, and then, you know, I had all these different thoughts and ideas in my head, and, and then I discover Emily likes it whenever the thermostat is set on 80 in the summer. And I'm thinking, what? She's wearing flannel in the summer. I thought, I didn't think women wore flannel when you got married. They do. Um, then, you know, then there's other stuff, and then the woman discovers that the husband, whenever, you know, you... You come to eat dinner at the house, and, and then she discovers, my husband doesn't mind not wearing a shirt to the dinner table. And then, you know, and then as you get older, it's not uncommon. All of a sudden, there starts to be, there's physical problems that come. Now, now if, if this were just a business transaction, and we would see some of the stuff, we'd say, well, I'm out. You know, this is a business transaction. This is not what I had in mind. Things have changed, so I'm gone. But here's the deal. Marriage is deeper than that. Listen to what the Bible says about marriage in, in Ephesians 5, 22-25. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He's the Savior of the body. And now as the church submits to Christ, so wives are to submit to their husbands and everything. This is a whole other sermon right here. And then here's what it says. It says, Husbands, it says, Love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, now guys, this is marriage. This is what they talk about marriage. In a business relationship, let me tell you something, I ain't dying for anybody. 
But Christ says in marriage, husbands, you're to love your wife so much that you would lay down your life for your spouse. In a business relationship, not really looking to submit to my business partner. But in marriage, it's not a business transaction. You know, in, 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 a, uh, in a business, I'm not looking just to hang out with somebody because I'm trying to be a nice guy. I'm looking to make a profit. But in, but in marriage, that is not the purpose of marriage. Now, now what, so then what's the deal with it? Well, Jesus says, understand this about marriage. As you ask me about divorce, understand that marriage is more than just a business transaction. He said, understand, marriage is a union. And when husbands and wives come together, they become one flesh. They are glued together. Which means we need each other. And whenever you take something that's been glued together, you have two pieces of wood that have been glued together very tightly, and then you try to break them apart, what happens? It splinters. Breaks apart. That's why it's never to be separated. A really interesting story about being joined together. It's kind of an extreme story. There were two brothers named Chang and Ng Bunker. Uh, they were really well-known, <clears throat> well-known conjoined twins that came to America in the 1800s. They came as a part of the circus. They're from Thailand. When they came over here, uh, they got you know obviously got a lot of publicity and press. I mean because you know they obviously they couldn't go anywhere without each other. And, and they needed each other to survive. They shared organs. Now, as a side note, I thought this was interesting. This has nothing to do with the message. But uh, they married sisters, and they had 21 children between them. Okay, then not that weird? Okay, so anyway, just thought I'd share that. But, uh, but they needed each other, and they needed each other to survive. And this became very evident whenever Chang Bunker died, and within three hours, the other brother, brother who was healthy, he died. They shared organs. Now, guys, I, I tell that story because whenever we are joined together in marriage, we share life and we become one flesh. And when you break it apart, Jesus is letting us know it is so destructive. And for those of you who've experienced divorce or you know about it, you, you know this to be very true. When there, is, when there is a marriage, Jesus says, understand this marriage is a union. But here's another thing that Jesus says. He says, as you ask me about divorce, he said, I want to remind you of something. So I want to remind you that marriage has divine origins. Marriage is something special because of who made it and created it. Now, look with me in verse number, uh, verse number 9. It says, therefore, what God has joined together, man must not separate. And, and I think in general, we all know that marriage is something you don't enter into lightly. I mean, it is a commitment. It, it means big things. And when you get married, I mean, think about the stuff that you're committing to. I mean, you're committing to share life with somebody. When you get married, you are, I mean, you're saying, I'm going to live in the same house with the person. And that's a big deal for me. Uh, whenever you say, I'm going to be married to this person, you're going to share a bed together. I, I mean, that, was the, that was probably one of the weirdest things for me, because I like to stretch out. And then I always had my whole life, and then all of a sudden there's a person there. And I'm thinking, you're in my way. You know, and so it's just really weird. But when you get married, you say, I'm going I'm to share my bed. I'm going to share my wealth. Um, it, it typically, what happens in marriage is when you get married, typically there are children that come out of the marriage. So we all know just from these things, things like this, marriage is it's something that's serious. But there's another, there's an even bigger reason why marriage is such a big deal. 
And the reason why is because of who created marriage. People did not come up with the idea of marriage. God did. Again, all the way back in the book of Genesis. God created Adam. You might remember when God was looking at Adam in Genesis 2.18. He saw him and he said, it is not good for man to be alone. So what did he do? He created Eve. He created a helpmate for him. I said uh, in a wedding not that long ago, I said, it's really interesting. God is the one who invented marriage. God was the first father of the bride. God is the one who performed the very first wedding ceremony. Is marriage a big deal? You better believe it. It came from God. And he saw Adam and he said, Adam needs a partner, another person who will complete him. And that's why it's so important for us to look back where Jesus said, what God has joined together. Back in verse number 7, that word joined means to glue. It means something different in verse 9. It says what God has joined together. The word joined in verse number 9 there means to be yoked together. Now, what is a yoke? Well, you know, it's this wood thing, typically, that connects two animals together so they can pull and work together. They walk side by side working together. And whenever they work together, they are able to pull more together than if they were simply trying to pull by themselves. They are yoked together. Now, if God joined it together, that's what our verse says. It says what God has joined together. If God joined it together, here's what Jesus is saying in our text today. He said if God joined it together, he goes, man has no right to break it apart. You know, whenever an animal is, whenever animals are under a yoke, who's in charge? Who, who do y'all think? It's the the woman. No, I'm just teasing. Who's in charge? It's the person holding the reins, right? It's not the animals. It's the one who is driving the animals. Now, for believers. When we come into marriage, we are putting ourselves in a yoke with Jesus driving. The animals don't make the decisions. They don't say, hey, we're going to go over here. Hey, this is what we're going to do. I don't like my partner here. I want a new partner. They don't do that. What God has joined together, it says, let no man separate. So it's not ours to break apart. We are to be under the leadership of God because we are under the yoke. Now, if we are under the yoke, then what, what is Jesus calling for us to do? Husbands, he's calling you to love your wife. To love her so much that you are willing to die for her. I guarantee you, well, I say I guarantee, I don't guarantee, I can't guarantee anything. But I, my guess is most ladies would love to be married to a man that they know would be willing to lay down their life for them. Jesus said, you love your wife so much that you would give everything that you have for her because you love her. So well, what's, what's the responsibility of a lady if she is under, under the yoke of Jesus? If she's under the yoke of Jesus. Jesus says, I, I have called for you to respect your husband. You know, some people say that the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. I don't believe it is. I mean, I like to eat, but let me tell you something. The way to my heart, the way to a man's heart is if you respect him. You care for him, and, and you are willing to, to look at him and respect what he does. Now, if 
this is happening, and we are, and and obviously I'm speaking of the ideal here, but if a husband loves his wife like Christ loved the church, and even whenever he says, you know what, there's some times when I get ticked off and irritated, there are times whenever I get frustrated at my spouse, but you know what, I will love her because that is what God has called me to do, and I would give myself for her, and the wife says, I will respect my husband, and I will honor him, you'll be pulling together. And, and divorce will never even be on the table for discussion. That's why Jesus says, you're, at, Jesus says, you're asking me about divorce, but you need to be reminded about marriage. He says, marriage is a union. Understand that when you come together, you are glued together. And then he says, marriage is divine in its origins. You didn't make it. So you don't have a right to break it apart. You are under the leadership of God. And then the final reminder he gives is marriage is meant to last a lifetime. He says, you ask me about divorce, marriage is meant to last a lifetime. Verse number 9, pretty, pretty, easy, to see it. <clears throat> pretty easy to see it there. In verse number 9 it tells us, therefore what God has joined together, man must not separate. And the key phrase here is where it says man must not separate. In other words, when people get married, it is to be something that lasts until there is death. It's a very strong statement that Jesus gives here. Jesus is saying, you ask me about divorce, I want you to know that for believers, divorce is not even to be an option. He said, I made marriage for a reason. What is the reason God made marriage? Well, we go to Genesis, it's not good for man to be alone. But here's another reason. Marriage... If you follow Jesus, understand marriage is a picture of the way that Christ loves people. The way that Christ loves his followers. When you become a follower of Jesus, the Bible refers to the followers of Christ, refers to the church as being the bride of Christ. Y'all heard that before? You are the bride of Christ. And so Jesus says, I want people to see me through your marriages. And that puts a little pressure on your marriages. But in your marriage, when your children look at mom and dad, they ought to see them loving each other, and that ought to give them a picture of the way that God loves them. Now, how does God love his people? God loves us in all of our faults. God loves us when we are the biggest screw-ups in town. And he says, and I will always love you. He gives us a picture of this. If you looked in Romans 8, 35-39, it says, Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than victorious through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that not even death nor life, angels nor rulers, things present nor things to come, hostile powers, height nor depth, nor any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God says, I love you so much that regardless of what's going on, I will always love you. And that's how we're to love our spouses. As Christ has loved us. There was a time whenever the disciples were afraid that Jesus was getting ready to leave them. He, was getting, he told them, I'm getting ready to go to the cross and die. But he wanted to comfort them. And here's what Jesus said in John 14, 1 through 3. 
Jesus said, your heart must not be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If not, I would have told you, and I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Okay, now here's what's really interesting. Have you all heard that verse before, those verses? Read them a lot, a lot of times uh, at, at funerals and things like that. But here's what's neat about these verses. These verses are about marriage. I just discovered this. I, mean, I was like, this is really cool. Now, this is extra. So this is free stuff for y'all today. Uh, these, I want to share with you. Now, back in, back in Jesus' day, when people got married, here's what would typically happen. The guy would talk to the father, ask for a hand in marriage, and they would, what they would do then is they would begin to make a business transaction. How much are you going to pay me for my daughter? Right? It's called a dowry. It's called the bride price. And uh, which I'm, the more I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking, hey, this ain't bad. And so he's like, how much are you going to pay me for my daughter's hand in marriage? So they would come to an agreement. After they came to an agreement, then the guy would talk to the girl to see if she would agree to marry him. And basically, hey, do you agree to that? you think you're worth this much? You know, so I'm sure they're probably trying to drive up the price. And so whenever she agreed, here's what would happen. The guy would leave for a year. They'd be engaged, but he wouldn't see the girl for a year. What's up with that? Well, he would leave, he would go back home, and he would begin to build a house for he and his wife to live in. After a year was up, he would come back, they'd get married, and then he would take her with him to, back to the house that he built. Okay, here's what Jesus is saying in our text, John 14, 1 through 3. Jesus said, I'm getting ready to leave. He's like, now I've already agreed to adapt the dowry price for you. I'm going to give my life for you. And you've already agreed to follow me, obviously. You've been following me for three years. He said, now I'm leaving. He said, but I'm leaving to go and prepare a place for you. And he said, but I'm going to come back. And when I come back, I'm going to take you, my bride, to be with me, to live with me forever in heaven. Isn't that cool? I just, that, that verse means so much more to me now. Jesus said, I'm, I'm coming back. I'm going to take you to be with me. Jesus said, whenever I marry you, hey, I ain't lying. Whenever I marry you, I want you to know I'm never going to abandon you. Whenever I marry you, I want you to know that I will always be faithful to you. So that is what marriage is. That's why Jesus says I'm against divorce. Because I would, as I would never leave you, you are never to leave your spouse. That is the kind of love that you're to have for one another. It means it is a covenant love, not a contractual love. In a contractual love, it means I will love, I will follow that person as long as they keep up their end of the bargain. And that's the way many people have ended up looking at marriage. Where we look at marriage and say, you keep your end of the bargain and I'll be faithful to you, but if you break it, I'm out. Jesus says that's not what marriage is. He said it's a covenant. And in a covenant, what that means is you will be faithful regardless of what the other party does. That's how Jesus has married himself to us. And that's why when Jesus speaks of divorce, he says you need to understand what marriage is first of all okay now saying all of that and after talking to there'll be there'll be three different groups of people that are going to be talked to about this subject i i am not dumb and i ain't smart but i ain't dumb and i know there's some who are saying what about me i've already been through a divorce you know what what about me does it mean that i've now i've screwed up and it's all over and you might say, hey, for some of you, you might say, what well, my fault? They left me. 
Now there's a different, and I, and I do believe this, there is a different issue there. When somebody abandons you, then it, the, the, the weight is not on your head. Now you might say, well, I left somebody. I left somebody, I'm remarried. Does that mean that God can't bless me? What, is, what does all that mean? Okay. Now I didn't share this stuff with you today so that we would all leave here and be totally depressed and go, well, I'm done now. That's not what this is about. And I think a lot of times when people think of the church, they think of the church as, hey, you've got to follow these sets of rules and then you're out. Guys, with, with divorce, it is not the unpardonable sin. Is it a sin? It is totally against God's plan. You look in our scripture, you see what Jesus, you see what God says about divorce all through, through all scripture. God's intention is always for marriage to last for a lifetime. And not, not to live together either in misery, saying we made it, but we hated each other's guts the entire way. God desires for us to live in, in harmony and with joy. And I mean, it's not going to be perfect, but to love and to, to, to honor the marriage, not even sometimes for the other person, but to say, God, I'm honoring this marriage because of you and because of who you are. But you say, mine's already been broken. What do I do? Guys, as with any sin... There is always, there can always be restoration with repentance. And it could be there are some of you who need to ask for forgiveness. Some of you who need to acknowledge your guilt and where you've messed up. And I say, well, then what does God do with that? The only thing I know to do is let's see what the Bible says. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, so far as our God removed our transgressions from us. Is, is divorce the unpardonable sin? Absolutely not. Is it the ideal? Absolutely not. God's ideal is for us to honor our spouses in marriage. And that's why Jesus reminds us today, he says marriage is a union. Marriage has divine origins. Marriage is to last for a lifetime. Now, I do know this as well. Some of you have already gone through divorce. It could be you just simply need to come to God and say, God, I pray for healing. I acknowledge my part. I acknowledge where I failed. And God, I pray that you'll, that you'll restore me and forgive me. And I believe God does that, that he will do that. Now, it could be there are some of you who are considering divorce. Let me encourage you to do something. Pray and ask God to open your heart to him and to your spouse. Because I can guarantee you this, God desires for your marriage to last, for your marriage to work. God desires for your family to be whole. You might say, I mean, I don't know how to do it. We got a lot of baggage. We're dealing through a lot of stuff. You know, in your bulletin, there's a contact form. You can, you can sign it. Just fill it out at the bottom, tear it out, and just simply put on there, hey, counseling recommendations. We'll keep it private. You fold it up, put it in the offering basket, and we can get you some information for some help. You can do it, we can do it via email, however, whatever works best for you. Send you a letter, I don't know, whatever works for you. And I, I can tell you this. The best thing that you can do is to submit to God. So you might say, I don't even want to submit to my spouse right now. Okay, like, Fine. Submit to God. Submit to his leadership. Remember what, what God has joined together? Let no man separate. Let God 
have the reins and direct and guide you. And I promise you, he, he will lead you and guide you where you need to be. I know this should be a two-part series, and we, we have another part to pick up. We can pick it up later on, but that's the first one, dealing with a divorce. And there's other issues that we can talk about later. But guys, understand, divorce is not what God desires. But divorce, if it's already happened in your life, God can restore. And God can heal. Oh, <laughs>